You're listening to the Player Lear podcast. I'm Ivan Alexiev, and today I'll be talking to two of the creators behind Budgie Smuggler Games, which is a new publisher uh, coming with their first game called Renegade Legion on GameFound. You can find links below. And I was very happy to talk with them because I thought their game was awesome. Uh, and we got to talk about a lot of subjects which we haven't talked, which I haven't talked with uh, other designers before because. Uh, first of all, this game is a tabletop war game, which is a little bit different than um, most of the games that I play. Uh, and second of all, it's based on an IP, which uh, was very interesting f to me how um, how they acquired the IP and what kind of the process behind that is, because I know a lot of people are also interested in that. And uh, finally, I just think... What they're doing is very cool. They're involving a lot of um, writers, uh, so they're they're really going really deep into the world building. Uh, so yeah, I really enjoyed it. I think you will too. Thank you so much for listening. Excellent. No, I like that. Thank you for having us on, by the way. This is really awesome. Yeah, no, thank you guys for... Well, uh, I, I, I tried your game and I really, really enjoyed it. So uh, nice, I look, thank I, you. I'm looking forward to like learning more about how you guys found each other. Uh, <laughs> from, you know, oh my God, different... that is a ter terrible, terrible story with uh, police and international espionage. Uh, no, just kidding. Um <laughs> No, me and Matt have a really fun origin story because uh, I've known him for going over a decade now, right, Matt? Yeah, I think it was about 20, 2009, 2010 we first started chatting. Yeah, it was like right after my time with Games Workshop. So yeah, it's been it's been over a, a decade now. Yeah, what was your, what was your time in Games Workshop <laughs> like? I actually what, what, what is it? You can't just drop a a name like that and. Uh... Yeah, that's fair. Um, I actually worked for Games Workshop for a little over a year um, in 2008, 2009 time frame, if memory serves correctly, for GW uh, Corporate here in U.S. when they were still in, in Maryland and Glen Burnie um, working for at the time. It was like their prototype hunter gatherer mm -hmm. uh, group that worked with like independent stockists and stuff, uh, essentially doing the right thing in the uh in the mid 2000s making up for some of their practices uh that they were uh not so well known for and in a positive way uh in previous years as well as like building back uh the stockist program with new um game stores and this was around the time when the the housing market and the economy here in the United States was really bad so game stores were opening and closing at a, at an alarming rate mm -hmm. and so uh, Games Workshop took took steps to kind of help um, shepherd and uh, and protect what is essentially uh, the bread and butter of their business here in the U.S. Especially since, you know, like I said, that the housing market and so the real estate market was really bad, and they were closing their own stores as well. So independent stockists stockists were uh, were their way of, um, of 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 course selling product. So it was the prototype hunter gatherer um, group that I was with, and it kind of helped develop. I had a uh, I think it was nine or 10 state range, um, including like small states like South Dakota, North Dakota here, which 
uh doesn't have like a ton of game stores mm-hmm. so i had way more states than some of the other guys and i also worked with our community development program so i did stuff with like ard boys the original ard boys campaign mm-hmm. uh here in the united states when they were releasing uh armageddon for the first time and the re-release of the orc line of uh, models and vampire counts and a few others mm-hmm. and are, are you still uh full-time in the gaming industry uh no believe it or not um my my full-time job right now is uh i'm actually transitioning to do full-time gaming but uh right now i'm still the the managing director for a craft brewery oh that's that's pretty cool (laughs) are you yeah are you you in maryland by the way because there's a lot of uh board game like content creators that are there in quack loops there and um some designers i work with no, actually, I'm not. I was only up there for about a year, year and a half. Um, it was essentially uh, for me. It was like contract work um, because they were in the process of transitioning uh, to Tennessee to their Memphis facility, like full time. That's actually where their U.S. manufacturing was at the time, and they were relocating their headquarters from uh, Maryland to uh, Memphis, Tennessee. And I was I had been living in Florida for a really long time, and I was um, actually separate from my wife at that time. She stayed down here while I went up north to work. And um, and with the jump to Tennessee, I was like, all right, I'm going to I'm moving back to Florida. I miss my family. Uh, so I ended up coming back down here after that time. But I had previously uh, from Games Workshop, I'd been working with uh, Catalyst Game Labs, um, who I've maintained a relationship with all the way through. That's actually how I brought Matt mm-hmm. into gaming uh, was was through Catalyst. Um, officially official. That's where he got his like first official credits. Mm hmm uh i think right matt is that correct yeah you were my fairy godmother into um into official credits <laughs> yeah i took a i took a, a big leap of faith on this guy I never met this aussie and uh i was like you know what he uh he does some really great stuff and his uh his family's awesome and i was like this needs to be someone we we work with um so i'd come back i came back down to florida after games workshop continued to work um with catalyst uh through BattleTech. uh and then got involved in craft beer. And if I have the time, energy, and effort, my ultimate goal is to get some form of bakery. So then I can be like vertically integrated, like all the way through from like games, beer, and snacks. And then that would be like the ultimate retirement goal for me. Like that's that's what I would love to see happen. Um, I'm joking. I, I don't want to own a bakery ever. That seems like a, a lot of work with early hours. That's not good at all. Yeah. Matt, what were you like doing at the time? What got you into into games? Well, actually, other other than Josh, I'd, um, I've come from a history uh, history a family with um, a, a huge love of history, and I sort of got into gaming that way. When I'd, I'd read history books and go, "Oh, I wonder how I could turn this into a game," and I counted RPGs and uh, tabletop games and more gaming and things along the way. And I was always tinkering and designing with things, um, trying to come up with my own systems or modify systems and. I'd, um, of all things, started a, a fan fiction within the Battletech universe. And of course, it created this enormous game around it. And we had this big gaming group that was fighting out the battles of the Battletech universe across this vast, vast stage with maps and spreadsheets and all sorts of fun. And I reached out to Josh through a mutual friend who, who had said, you know, you should try and get a little website up for this to, to help the players. And they said, you know, Josh is the person to talk to. So Josh and I got talking through that. And then eventually, Josh joined our gaming group and ran mad havoc through the game breaking things, which was good fun. Um, 
and uh, at the end, well, not the end of that. So halfway through that, uh, I was asked through you know, the graces of Josh and a couple of the other fellas within the the, the, the BattleTech crew to come in and start working there. So I was doing some rules development on one of the the big rule books, um, strategic ops or interstellar ops. Um, wrote some source book stuff, did uh, mapping and, and unit tracking, helping out the, the, the senior developers with keeping a lot of the the um, the the vast lists of armies straight within the canon. And then uh, at the end of my tenure there, I got, got to do a bit of uh, fiction writing as well, which was great. Uh, and then, yeah, through all that, towards the end of it, Josh and I you know, started talking about Renegade Legion, which is its own story, um, which um, that was, for me, more of a, a bolt out of the blue um, because Josh had been planning this for a while and was then starting to think who he wanted to have as, as part of the team. And then Renegade Legion grew out of that. Yeah, what, what, what was sort of the, the time frame? Actually, just to, to explain for um, just people who are just listening, um, what's your idea with Budgie Smuggler Games and sort of what, what Renegade Legion is? Because I know it's um, sort of an older IP um, that you acquired. Is that right? So with Renegade Legion, yeah, it is, it is an old IP. It was around in uh, the late 80s, early 90s, and Fasser had originally designed it to be the gaming system for the Star Wars universe. But West End Games won out there. And so Fasser adapted it to be a, a different universe. And so there was the, the big influence of Star Wars on it. And really interestingly, we were talking about this the other day, there's a big influence of um, NATO and the late Cold War within... Um, uh, Renegade Legion as well when you look at some of the art and some of the concepts they had in it and when Fassa decided to make this their own instead of using it for Star Wars it um, it was in production for about three or four years but the, the issue for Renegade Legion was that it was competing directly with Battletech within the same company and Battletech was going through its, you know, its huge early golden years at that point in time so Renegade Legion was let go as a property and then over time, bits and pieces got sold off and the, the trademarks were let lapse. <laughs> and then um, when Josh was looking for you know, a, a, a new a new project to do to, to start Budgie Smuggler Games up, which uh, the name of didn't even exist for the company then, that came later. Uh, Josh looked at you know different ways of, of doing things, different universes, new universes, old universes, and, and settled on Renegade Legion. So we went out and you know, secured the trademarks for that uh, and then started to create this um this new universe for it and, to, to to bring it to life um a, a whole new universe for the for a current generation of gamers um they can touch on some of those really big themes that that the earlier uh, iteration did yeah i just want to stop you for a second because i know a lot of uh, listeners are, are game designers and i know that it's kind of tricky or um a lot of people don't know what the process of acquiring an ip is like um, could you maybe touch on that? Like, who did you have to speak to and just what did you have yeah. to do in order to um, get the rights for it? So, Josh is probably the, the best yeah, one the, here, but I think the, the, the important thing too is that there's different parts of IP as well. And I think a lot of people get confused around that to start with. Yeah. So, I mean, if you're looking to republish um, a game using, you know, the original content, art, rule sets, the whole nine yards... It's a very laborious and complicated process, especially if the intellectual property rights for those things are spread across multiple owners. Mm -hmm. um, in the case of, of Renegade Legion and actually some other older uh, gaming systems like um, uh, the Honorverse uh, games that are connected to the Harrington book series, um, you, 
sometimes some things are completely lapsed and they're not owned by anybody. Uh, so it can be a little uh, tricky to navigate that process. For uh, our Renegade Legion with Budgie Smugglers, we opted to completely avoid any association or connection to the original universe whatsoever, except for some really iconic trademarks um, so that we could create something that was applicable to modern gamers with a modern story that is worth telling mm -hmm. uh, and, and a gaming system that's completely designed for uh, modern tabletop players because uh, the old system, I don't know if you're familiar with it at all, um, was very much that that old school 80s like paper and and pencil and hexes and a lot of tracking that way. So this is a little our game's a little bit more fast paced. Yeah, I definitely and, uh, felt that when when I played the game, um, I was kind of expecting a table. I, I to be honest, I haven't played any tabletop uh, like classic games. The, the 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 last thing I played was in about 2006. I played Warhammer, um, but other than that, mm -hmm. I play mostly like um, you know modern board board games. Um, oh, right on. When I when I played it, it had like a lot of a like Euro feel almost to the the way that actions work, and it wasn't at all what I was um, kind of expecting when I hear kind of a a, a tabletop miniature um, game. Yeah, and that was intentional. Mm -hmm. um, it's really funny when Matt and I first sat down and we started like putting this together. Uh, we knew immediately we didn't want to use hexes, um, just because we find that that can be very limiting. Um, to, to players not that there's anything wrong with hexes but when you have uh you know an hour and a half to play and you can just throw these things on the table with let's say if you don't have a lot of um terrain you know a few cans of soup will suffice as uh, as terrain on your table and you can you can really get into a, a fun game and not have to maintain like all these hex sheets and worry about facings and things like that so it's it, we we tried to keep it as much detail as possible and it's a really detailed game game in my opinion um so it's not uh it doesn't lose that granularity that a lot of these more complicated older you know paper and pencil games have um but it, it plays really quick accordingly and it does feel exactly like you said which is what we were going for i mean and a lot of that is uh is is because of the the work that matt uh dale and jordan those are two other members of our team put into the rule set mm-hmm yeah, and on that too, one of the things that I think you picked up on this when we, we had the game with you was that we wanted it to feel a certain way. Um, what I, I played a couple of other, you know, of the more modern miniatures games like Star Wars Armada, and what drew me into that was it, it felt like the end of Return of the Jedi with these big ponderous ships and the fighters zipping between them, and it, it felt that way. It felt like you were in the movie. So when we were looking at the design of this, of, of Renegade Legion for Centurion, we wanted it to feel like grav tank combat. So that's where we've got the, the altitude and the, the sliding and the skidding and things like that to give it that feel at the same time, as Josh said, you know, through a simple rule set, that's really easy to understand. And then the, the granularity and the, the complexity of the game comes from the, the units themselves and the interaction between things like keywords and cards so that it's easy to get into, but there's lots of depth there to explore once you're in. Yeah, I think that's like really probably the the best combination to have to like be able to ease players into it, um, mm -hmm. but then have that uh, complexity come out through the like the situations that the game um, that that happen throughout the game and through as you said like units. So like um, keep 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 keeping it. Uh, I think it's so important to keep your games accessible or um, you know kind of. Uh, I, I just think that's a huge plus. In, in my opinion, it's, all, it's, it's always 
um, good to, to do that. In fact, I recently heard a quote, I think it was Eric Lang, um, designer of a ton, a ton of games, uh, on, on Twitter. He said, you know, if, if you need a specific rule to, um, to address a small issue, you, usually you, you can solve small issues with um, very, very in-detail rules, but usually you, that's not the right uh, decision to make. You need, you know, kind of a broader rule set where... Um, and I think you guys have done just that. You, you've, you've kept it quite simple and, and to the point. And then, um, like, the, the smaller things are actually in-game. Like, you know, your, your actual units, like you said. Um, so I think that's really yeah. cool. Yeah. And for a, for a new company, too, that it's also a, a business decision. If you're a new company, you don't want to have barriers to entry to, to your first game. You want people to be able to easily approach it. Where if you do something quite complex and, and detailed and granular that requires a lot of effort to get into... It's going to raise a barrier of entry to potential new customers who might otherwise have a look at what you're doing. So that was uh, one of those conscious things we had to think through as well. And also looking at um, to just piggyback off of what Matt said, and also looking at uh, if you have that reduced barrier for entry into the game, um, that doesn't necessarily uh, mean that the game itself has to be simple. It just means that it has to be able to expand outward at the pace of the gamer. You don't need to force feed or cram a lot of complexity and all you know crazy rule sets and stuff down a player's throat from the jump. You can ease them into that. And and one of the ways we did that was by, as I like to call it, separating the lock from the key. So you have these really these really fantastic core mechanics that are easy to understand and makes for a fun game. And then by putting these things, the complexity into cards mm. that you can add to your game means that it never feels like it's forced. It's always an add-on. And then and that allows us as a company to continue to develop you know, a more complex game and then provide this to players uh, to use at their own speed. And again, if something doesn't work, it's as easy as saying, oh, okay, well, don't use that card or, or, or don't use that one little rule set. It doesn't, you know, negate the entire uh, box set that you currently possess. Just throw that card to the bottom of the pile. Uh, we'll get back to you. You know, it's very simple to to make corrections than if we find something that is broken or just doesn't work for our game or our players really don't like it. Yes, yeah, it's like a CCG uh, approach almost, like uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> with and with a little bit, yeah, and, in that kind of way. Yeah, um, could you tell me about uh, like the rest of your team and work, working as a team? Um, how do you do it? <laughs> for for people listening right now, we're in three different time zones, um, kind of, you know, ha having this conversation. Um, but uh, like, how do you split? Um, how do you, how do you make decisions together? Um, how long have you been doing this as well? And just um, just tell tell me about the the team on uh, Budgie Smuggler Games. It's um it's a funny one. We we started very small, just Josh and I, and we catch up once or twice a week. And so we got into this sort of weekly pattern um, of, of meeting and talking over major issues. While you know between meetings, it'll be either emails, and we've kind of moved to Discord in a big way to to manage what we do. And then over time, we started bringing in you know, additional people. We'd, we identified pretty early what Josh and I could do and what we couldn't do. We can't draw for all for, to save our lives. I can't even do a stick figure. Um, so we, we knew we we're going to have to get really good artists and designers and we knew we'd need people to help us with the rules. We knew we'd need someone to help develop the writing side of, of the universe. So we planned ahead for that. And as we brought people in, we we... We essentially interviewed them and talked in depth about what we were trying to achieve and, and where we'd see them fitting in and, and wanted to give people coming in a, a lot of space to do what they do and, and 
and show their skills because we were inviting in very experienced people with a, a lot of talent. And so we we have a quite a collaborative working environment where everyone has input to, to most things. Uh, each person has the thing they're leading, but everyone helps and feeds in and provides uh, feedback and comment on what we're doing. So that at the end of the day, we have this very um, small community that, that shares everything we do together. And then at the end of the, that process, you see these lovely looking games, like you said, the rule set that you've enjoyed playing in, which is the result of hundreds of conversations and emails and discords and, and testing that none of us could have achieved on our own. So by, you know, at times, butting heads against each other, but also, you know, going out of a way to help, help each other. We've you know, developed this system that's um, a really great little team to work in and, and it's been really fun to produce these these different things we've done as we've gone along. But what do you think, Josh? Yeah, I mean, pretty much said it all. I mean, the collaborative um, effort uh, in our team is is pretty phenomenal. One of the uh, one of our first rules is check your ego at the door. You know, uh, it can be real easy to get fixated and hung up on something, and uh, and and think that's right and the only right way to do stuff. And um, working in a small team, especially one that's dispersed as as much as we are, uh, means you just have to take a step back. You know, let something percolate and kind of filter down and. And, and think on it and let's get, let's test it. Let's go through the process. Let's make this as clean as possible. And, uh, and it makes for some really fantastic collaboration. And at the end of the day, you know, we just want to make a, a really great game, a really great universe and a really great pro product. So um, the, with those goals in mind, uh, it's real easy to overcome like any difficulties that you might have working uh, as a, as a dispersed team. Also keeping in mind that, most of us already have done that in the past. Uh, everyone who's involved in Budgie has worked remotely uh, in games in some capacity. So we all kind of like knew how this would work, even with um, the distance and the different time zones. It was more just uh, finding our work groove within our group. Like, oh, so this is how you do stuff and this is how you approach things. And once we kind of figured out um, the team kinks, I mean, it's we, we went through development I mean, like gangbusters. We were just, it was awesome. Mm, yeah. yeah, and I think the, the acid test for, for that was the um, the, the anthology we've just released leading yeah. into our crowdfunding campaign is that normally you could take six months to a year to do an anthology and we went from writer's pitch to publication within, I think it was eight or ten weeks and that was bringing in a, a, a nearly a dozen authors and other people to help us that included layout, art, everything from story pictures right through to the finished product, all done, you know, with people scattered all over the world in different time zones. And uh, the, the process went exceptionally well. And it was, we got these um, 10 fantastic stories produced for this, for this anthology for the start of Renegade Legion. And um, I think that alone was testament to the talent of the people we have and, and the system that we've built. What Josh said about checking your ego to, at the door is, Probably the, the most important thing, and it, it's uh, in my experience, at least, um, that's that's when you can truly collaborate and you can truly think about what's actually best for the product and best for the game. And I think you guys are are, are, are nailing it in that regard uh, from from the sounds of it. Uh, what are the sort of functions of um, these other two people who are like you, you said that they're now also um, main parts of of Budgie Smuggler Games? I guess all of you do or take part in playtests and development um, of the game from the sounds of it. 
Yeah, everyone yeah. tries to have a hand in, in that part, especially because we are such a small team. So it's important that we have as many eyes on on a game or a rule or something that we're kind of we're, we're thinking about doing with a with a product. Um, having as many eyes on something like that is really important to us. Um, but as far as like where our uh, specialties kind of lie, like what we lead or run, um, it Dale uh, does all of uh, the kind of creative direction for the for the company uh, for Renegade Legion. Uh, Jordan is the head of our, as I like to call it, the art department. Um, Matt, what else? Uh, ben is uh, is involved. He runs. As I like to call it, uh, the words. He does uh, all of the. He actually coordinated all of the the writers for the anthology, um, and and managed uh, that entire project. Uh, like Matt said, like a really short span of time. But yeah, if, if you love the look and feel of um, the the Renegade Legion game that you've seen so far, uh, that is entirely uh, the thematics of that are entirely Dale and Jordan. Yeah, it's interesting the the different skills we each have. I can write rules. I can also write universe um, setting at great length, much to, to some people's um, mm -hmm. great horror when they ask for <laughs> half a page and I'll give them 40 pages of material. Um, Josh is great at doing that short writing where I'm great at, at the other end. And Josh is also really good at the long form stuff as well. Uh, and Josh and I have a lot of, a lot of skills in business. So I, I can, I can spend hours happily swanning about spreadsheets, working stuff out for the game or business. I quite enjoy that. Uh, like we said, Dale's a, a brilliant engineer and designer, uh, also an excellent um, graphics person. He's got this beautiful vision for just how things should look. And then Jordan is is, a, is an artist as well and just has this ability to um, um, just bring to life these amazing scenes and, and, and aliens and bring these ideas we've had to, to absolute life. And Ben's an author as well and an editor and a, and a great organiser. And then we've got other people in the team like uh, John and, and Jenna and Andrea who have these specific skills that then slot in and help us where we still have these other gaps or just this other voice to say, oh, hang on, have you looked at it from this point of view as well? You know, consider this and, and all these little elements that everyone does, they come together in this great whole. Hey, I told you he says things better than I do. <laughs> it's it's flat out. He, he did that perfectly. I sound like a bumbling idiot and uh, and he has said that perfectly. I just I want, voice. <laughs> well, and this is, it's the funny thing too. Like if I ever want to go for a job interview, I really want Matt to just go into the office and read my CV mm. to the prospective uh, uh, company because he just does it just brilliantly when he talks. It's, it's awesome. I can sit there and listen to him for hours. I do actually sit there and listen to him for hours. <laughs> my day job. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so what about the, you, you mentioned the, the business side of things. What are your plans for the game? Uh, I think you're you're going to be kickstarting it, but like, what are your plans for getting it out, uh, marketing it, and you know, just the the the, the every, everything that's outside of the game that you need to do to get it to people's uh, hands. Well, we split that a bit between us. Um, Josh is very much uh, marketing, advertising. Uh, I have close to no skills in that that area at all. I can be nice to someone on. Twitter and have a chat on Facebook, but that's that's the scope of my skills in that area. Uh, my focus has very much been on the manufacturing side, um, working on the the fulfillment, the manufacturing, uh, getting the games into people's hands. Um, I spent the last 12 months buried in all that sort of thing. We went out to 
I think it was 12 manufacturers in the end to look at, you know, who could possibly do this for us about seven different fulfillment companies and everything else in between. So that was, you know, where I was looking at how, how we actually build this thing practically, what it's really going to cost and how can we get it to, to, to back us in the most efficient way where then, yeah, Josh is the best one to then talk about all the, the other side of things, the, the, the advertising and the, the social media. Yeah. So, I mean, we've, we've kind of, uh, split all of the, the social media work through myself and Dale and Jenna and uh, we're, you know, we doing all the standard stuff through like Twitter and Facebook and Instagram using, you know, ads and targeted ads and, and regular social media. But we're also working with a number of uh, reviewers and play testers. Uh, in fact, Dice Tower, uh, Mark Street is somebody I'm working with right now. Um, so we're going to we're going to get some stuff out there so people can really see beyond what we've already put out through Tabletop Simulator and through our beta that went out through drive through RPG. Um, the what this game really really looks like and and how it plays and uh and it's brilliant i mean it's we have some prototype game boxes here um and uh and miniatures all painted by dale i might add that are and uh and and jordan that are incredible um so we're gonna get all that information and and all that the video and visuals out to everybody so that they can be really jazzed as much as we are for our uh our crowdfunding campaign when is when is the crowdfunding campaign um scheduled I'm still waiting for Josh to talk. <laughs> so it's um it's scheduled for sorry. Yeah. <laughs> oh it's, sorry. Um... I accidentally I was coughing and I accidentally hit my mute button. Um August second. And that that's on GameFound. We're really lucky to have been uh, picked up by GameFound with their their launch of moving into full crowdfunding themselves. Uh they they saw what we were doing with Renegade Legion and asked us to be part of their their the start of their their official um crowdfunding they've been working through a beta process since late last year uh with, with several projects that started with uh, iss vanguard uh, which was a you know, brilliant first campaign for them to, to lead off with mm -hmm. and uh we've been working really closely with them over the oh sorry i've got the coughs too uh working with them over the last uh, couple of months to get ourselves ready and, and we're getting all the page you know put together at the moment so that we can have have that up shortly for people to come and pre-register for the campaign i mean that was an absolute amazing confluence of just lucky things to to get us all together uh with game found who have been absolutely brilliant uh partners in getting us ready uh for this this crowdfunding and uh i mean matt matt really drove that initial relationship and getting everything put together with them and uh, i'm really excited because working with them thus far has been has been really nice and uh and being able to uh, to bring our game to GameFound this early um, with them is like a match made in heaven. When did you start working on the project? Like, when was your when, when did the idea of of just uh, you know get, getting this whole thing rolling um, start off? And you know, how, how long did it take you to get to this point where you know uh, that you're crowdfunding and you you've got a team and everything? Um, I I've been working with uh, Catalyst with Battletech for a really long time. And I kicked around for years the idea of starting my own game company. But even prior to that idea, I just wanted to potentially revive um, things that I love that would be pertinent to now. And so I got this 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 idea in my head that I was like, Man, I, I would really love 
to create an all new, uh, brand new Renegade Legion. And uh, actually what provided the opportunity to do this, I hate to even say it, was was COVID. Mm. So COVID is, you know, ripping through the United States. Everything is is shut down. And um, even just prior to that, uh, with the writing on the wall, I was like, this is, this is, I might have some time here. And I immediately thought of Matt. I couldn't think of a, a better person to partner with. And so uh, almost around the time as, as, as the lockdowns hit here, I was like, hey, man, uh, w- we need to do this. And uh, it's actually a really funny story. I sent Matt an email and I said, uh, hey, man, I want to talk to you about something. You know, can you sign this NDA? Life, <laughs> yeah. I said, can you can you send can you sign this NDA? And and he wrote back, you know, uh, we were about to die. Salute you. And I looked around because, you know, that's a, a reference um, from Gladiator. Uh, and it's obviously very Roman. And I, I looked around at my office like, does he have a camera in here? Does he know what I'm about to talk to him about? It, it blew my mind. And uh, and so obviously, that's not familiar. Yeah. That's not familiar. The old Renegade Legion had a big Roman flavor in it. And um, I, my son's middle name is Vivillus, and I, I love Roman history. And I, you know, I'd literally just watch Gladiator and threw that line out at him just for no reason. <laughs> yeah, it just it blew my mind, and and that was like I'm like oh. Okay, this is this is meant to be, and so because of COVID and the lockdown and the amount of additional time available, uh, we we just dove into this thing and um and and it very quickly just coalesced and and from there and so we we picked up over the intervening months, um, Dale and then Dale brought in Jordan and then towards the end of uh 2020, uh, I you know brought in Ben uh, with Matt's blessing. And, uh, we, you know, we've been rocking and rolling ever since. So the vast majority of everything you've seen it was all done in, in 2020 in the span of a year. Yeah. Yeah. We've just, we're about three weeks off, um, a year of full hard work. We talked before that, but yeah, that we're coming up at our year anniversary of when we really, really got into things. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny that so, so many people, I've heard that from quite a few people, including myself, uh, I, I, I went full-time with player layer um with um because of the lockdown and, it, and again for me it took me a couple of months before i could actually before it actually became sustainable for me um like yeah from, on, from a financial perspective but um mm. because my, my other job just to put context to it uh, i was a full-time musician before that and uh oh, right on. i had like no gigs uh for a couple of months but before that we had won a couple of board game design contests and uh, mm-hmm. that's something that I had wanted to do as well. And I've heard that from several guests on the podcast that it was like, oh, these like two or three months we had wanted to make a game for years. And like um, they realized that they can do it. And it turns out that for a lot of people, it's been a sort of blessing in disguise for, you know, <laughs> um, just for acting on things that they've been putting off because of your like daily stuff that you would do. And just having yeah. that, that, that time. Um, it's it's think, it's amazing how many people feel guilty kind of when they say that too yeah uh, they feel they feel guilty and and they shouldn't i mean I, honestly there was a period of time i was like man felt kind of guilty too but you know uh even in the midst of tragedy worldwide tragedy um you know it can give us all an opportunity to to redirect and, and start doing the things that we love yeah for sure for sure i also think think games during the pandemic there's been at least from my point of view, a, a real embrace of them because 
with with some of the, the digital tools we have now, you can you can play online against people still, but they're they're one of those comfort things that can make you give you a really good feeling during times that can otherwise be hard. And I think it's um, the pandemic has been terribly hard for a lot of people. The yeah. within the gaming community, there's been this real outpouring of support and help and, and camaraderie within it, which has been really lovely. Yeah, I just look at the I just look at the explosion of 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 interest in RPGs as a whole. Mm-hmm. Um which I mean you could you could trace back actually all the way to uh the at least the United States the economic the great re, you know recession of the uh, mid 2000s where you know gaming really really tabletop gaming in particular and board games in particular took uh, took off like crazy uh here in the states because of you know how how tight money was and the rise of things like Kickstarter but especially in the in the pandemic, the rise of uh, this or continual rise and expansion of interest in RPGs and role playing in general has been like really awesome. And and like Matt said, like thanks to some digital tools, especially things like Zoom, you could still have that human connectivity, that connection with people, and still be able to play, even though you might be locked down in your house for four or five months, and you know not necessarily have a job and or anything else. And that kind of outlet, I think. Uh, especially in the stressful times of 2020 um, saved a lot of people's lives, to be honest. Oh yeah. You, you, that it, people forget that that's also something that they, I think you need, you need to have something to, you know, some, some form of, I, I guess, entertainment or socialization or, you know, um, like I, I, that's when I started, I started doing a lot of tabletop simulator, um, like playing games on there with friends. And I know a lot of people did like for, for tabletop simulator and like tabletopia and all of those platforms, um, like it, it just sales skyrocketed, but also things like you, you wouldn't even expect like solo gaming. Um, there's like the first or at least the only published solo only games, um, board games i i think were in uh, 2020 and 2021 um i at least i hadn't seen any before well friday friday is a game that um is an older one but still um just so many people like you said rpgs solo games uh the online community is just you, you mm-hmm. it, it's still something that you know pe- people i i i think not even just want to do you know they, they need some form of um, like it, it adds value to their lives and yeah 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 for sure i mean i i hadn't even i have not played a game of of battle tech in i can't even begin to tell you how many years but during the pandemic um just as like a a little form of camaraderie the internal development team like between the volunteers and the freelance writers and the um assistant line developers and so on and so forth they they put together um, an impromptu online convention and we got to do like a masters and minion game with mega mech. Yeah. It was like, it was literally the first time I played BattleTech in years and years. And here I am playing, um, online BattleTech with people, you know, all over the world in the midst of a pandemic pandemic, excuse me. And it was, it was, it was hilarious. Um, mostly because I couldn't remember any of the rules or how to play that game at all. <laughs> And, um, and I, I work in that. Oh my God, I can't believe I said that out loud, but, um, but it was awesome. Uh, and I don't think that would have happened had COVID not been uh, present in everyone's life. What are your future plans? Are, are you already thinking about, cause I know like as, 
um, creators go usually <clears throat> when they when they get uh, near presenting their their project to the public they're already uh, thinking about the next one um, do you do you have <laughs> what, what are your ideas um, going forward um, with with the company with making games um, yeah Oh man, what a that's a loaded question. I love it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, it's 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 funny you said as we get close, man. I think us as a team, we've been thinking about the next things for a few months now, actually. Um, just because as as being as having creative people in a team, it's it's so easy to just have a a, a weekly conversation, a weekly meeting, just kind of go off the rails <laughs> into the next game idea, and it's like, oh man, write that down. Don't forget that. Uh, so yeah, we've been thinking about the next stuff for a long time. Um, but uh, uh, as far as Renegade Legion is concerned, we have um, some really great plans for expansions uh, for the game line um, and the fiction. I'm particularly excited about the fiction. I don't know if Matt talked in too much detail with you prior uh, to this about the first anthology that we just released um and our plans for our future anthologies moving forward did he get into that at all with you um well i think <clears throat> when we last talked it was right around the time when you guys uh were releasing it um, ah okay okay so um our plans for renegade legion fiction uh is kind of twofold i mean we're going to release um some really fantastic uh in-universe material with uh the campaign um, and moving forward from the campaign. But one of the things that we wanted to highlight about um, the Renegade Legion universe was a, di a diverse set of voices. And, and so our first anthology and our future anthologies kind of represent that. We have an incredible array of, of writers from all walks of life um, that each provided a different genre of story. So the anthology has uh, a mystery story, it has horror, it has adventure, it has um, all kinds of uh, has romance. Oh my god, the romance one is fantastic uh, story in it. And so what we wanted to do is we wanted to highlight um, not only in obviously the composition of uh, the writers and the genre of stories, but also a diversity of stories within the universe itself. And so that you can get this this great feel of the width and breadth of the entire Renegade Legion universe. And our goal is to continue to provide uh, anthologies like that. You know, using that format to really uh, dive into um, all the really neat and fun things that, that everyone as a reader might be interested in. And one of the reasons why we decided to do that is um, if you, if you've ever picked up a, a Warhammer book um, it's really only one format, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just who's going to die, how gory and bloody is the battle going to be. And um, you know, do we even care about this character because it's grim, dark, and nothing ever changes? I love you, Games Workshop. Please don't kill me. Um, so that is why that joke's gonna fall real flat. I'm sorry. So that is why um, it's it was really important for us to kind of create um, a fiction format that's a little different. We really wanted to have um, the Renegade Legion universe speak to as many people as possible because the galaxy the world um our world is a huge diverse and beautiful place and so uh that's gonna kind of be the, the guiding mantra for our fiction moving forward and and that also supports the plans we we've got for for looking forward to an rpg for the universe as well 
Mm-hmm. Stone other fiction helps set set the stage around there. And, and like Josh was saying, you know, we've we've really got to focus on. You know, we wanted to build a diverse and inclusive writing team and 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 core team of Budgie Smuggler Games as well. And we want to have writers and characters and settings and places that anyone can see. I I, I can have a place in here that that I can be part of and be welcomed into and explore and celebrate with everyone around me. And so having this this rich universe around around the games, such as Centurion or the the RPG and, and and anything else we want to do with the universe going forward, this rich setting helps you set your games and your characters somewhere where you can feel connected to it. That was one of the big things we wanted to do. It's not just putting miniatures out on the table. It's um, it's immersing yourself in a whole experience of what it means for those miniatures to be on the table in in the bigger picture of this whole great universe that you're playing within what would be something that you'd recommend to somebody who wants um to jump in and and start you know start a project or you know um basically who wants to to do what what you're doing um and make games what would be your advice towards somebody like that my so to answer your question my advice for anyone who wants to get into games and create a game for themselves is um Take your idea, run with it, find people who you can work well with, who share the same vision, um, who won't take no for an answer in terms of uh, any walls or, or obstacles or complications that you might meet. Um, and I'd say don't lose hope. You know, Maintain that enthusiasm that you have for your game, uh, regardless of, of what comes down the pike, because we live in a world today where we... we as individuals have the opportunity to create a game um, on our own and get it out to the world. And all you have to do is just kind of stick with it because at the end of the day, if you think it's fun and you know, it's fun, then that means there's probably plenty of people out there who are also going to think it's fun and we'll have fun. And, uh, and that means your game should be made. So, so make your, make your game, man, because uh, games are fun. And I, (laughs) I can't see a world where we'll ever turn down uh, a game right so just keep keep making them because you never know uh it could be it could be a massive hit and even if it's not you made something and you should be super proud of that creating is is awesome so never stop that's my advice never stop creating just go for it i think the when you you've got this this wonderful idea like what josh has said and and, and go out and create i think the, the the thing the next step of that is then in order to create that you know do research, research and research, read everything you can about the style of game you want to play uh, when you want to make or the, the, the universe you might want to create, or, you know, if you're um, looking to acquire an IP, what that means, because the, the process of taking that vision, once you've got your team and your people together to reality, it, it always takes a hell of a lot more than you, you think up front, no matter how well you plan, things are going to pop up. So having all this research behind you and all the work, it helps you get through those speed bumps when you get to them. Uh, we, we've we done an you know, enormous amount of research on all sorts of things leading through this, and we're still learning as we go along. Uh, I, I, I started looking at crowdfunding well, well back when we started started out on this path and you know, went to Jamie Stegmeyer's blog and started there and then branched out from there to everything else I could find and talk to all sorts of people about it so that when we, we, we get into that, the, the campaign itself were as fully prepared as we can be. So yeah, to, to realize the vision, you, you, you have to do the work behind it. It, it takes a, a lot of work to, to bring something like this to life. 
smaller games, maybe not as much effort, but there's still a lot in there you might not consider. And yeah, finding the, those right people with those skills and talents and the, 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 the energy and the belief that you have as well, yeah, that's really important, like Josh said. Yeah, I think the last thing I would add to that is is uh, be curious, ask questions. You know, Matt Matt said it, you know, he did a lot of research and we all asked a ton of questions. I mean, no matter how experienced you are in games, um, there's always something you don't know and there's always someone out there who can help. So just, just ask questions too. Be curious. It, it will make a tremendous difference. Yeah, what are some of the questions that you asked or that, uh, that you were surprised to, <laughs> to you know by the answer of maybe or what's some what are things that you learned um so far <laughs> matt you want to yeah you want to field that one first it costs how much <laughs> yeah <laughs> there it is um, yeah, i had these <laughs> grandiose dreams of how much we'd put in the box and what it would be and then um, and that was in our very early conversations where we were like really excited. Oh, we could do this and we could do that. And then we went, okay, let's go out and see what we can actually do. And we're like, oh, it costs that much. Okay, well, we'll do this. <laughs> um, so that, yeah, that's um, that that's an important question for for people to ask up front. Is yeah, how much is it actually going to take to do this? Um, I think um, I think one of the best questions we've asked of people is, would you like to be part of this? We, we are doing this, would you like to be part of it? And I think when you approach someone creative with the opportunity to be involved in something very, very early in its formative stages, that can be a, a, a great challenge and inspiration to them. And I think that was uh, the, the conversation we had with Dale and Jordan and Ben as we're bringing them in, the excitement they got from being able to be part of something early by saying, would, would you like to be part of this? I think was one of the, the most interesting responses to the questions we've had as we've gone through because it was so positive and embracing yeah yeah i mean yeah for sure i mean that's the spot on for me it was the best question i ever asked was to our first group of authors for the anthology was what do you think about dot 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 and because our our universe is so new and and matt and i you know we spent so much time um preparing the universe we wrote i think easily each like a hundred thousand words of of you know fiction for the universe just kind of creating the meta framework which a lot of it you can see we've posted a ton of it on our our patreon which is free and you can go in and, and read a lot of our development posts but we also did um, a ton of in-universe work and we put it actually all to the side and we made this really bare bones primer for uh, the universe, for the for the authors, because we didn't want to um, impact their story ideas. And so we went to this great group of diverse authors and it was like, what do you think about dot, dot, dot? And then just watching these super creative people who are, you know, professional fiction writers and um, and just watch their creative wheels spin was phenomenal. I mean, they came up with all kinds of stuff that in comparison to what I had previously written by myself, I was like, oh, oh yeah, mine's garbage. We're gonna throw that out. Let's just keep it. This is way better. So, asking uh, people, you know, what do you think about dot 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 is is the best question I think uh, you could ever ask. Yeah, and, and their questions then came back at us. They yeah. would say, "Here's this," and then they'd ask us, "Oh, but have you thought about this? And, and what would you do there?" And we'd be like, "Oh wow, yeah, we've got to think through this as well." And then this whole new process would start. 
Yeah, it was very, very tangential. Everything would just, it was like a crazy branch from one thing to the next. And, and that made a huge difference with our, uh, our story development. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. No, it's, it sounds like I, I, I love, there's quite a few things that I love about your approach. First of all, I love the um, camaraderie and finding people and being okay with sharing your project and not, cause I, you know, and I've, I may have said this before on the podcast, but, uh, <laughs> you know, a lot of people just strangle their own projects by not showing them to anyone and um, mm -hmm. kind of being being afraid to um, play test with people. And it could be it could be for a variety of reasons. You know, of course, everyone knows your game is going to start off really bad. <laughs> most likely, most likely it's it's not going to, you know, it, it takes time and it takes um, that. That's why why you do development. That's why you bring it to play testers. And that's why you get other people involved. And I think you guys have caught on to that. Um, by the sounds of it and i love the, the other thing that i really love um is how you you, you got a different medium in in it and that's like uh, it's just amazing you know w when you um can expand on that lore whether it be you know and, and in this case it's collaborating with people outside of games so now now, now it's like growing uh and i i just think that's awesome uh when, when done um just I, 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 it's something that i love and it, it sounds like it's something that you guys love as well and yeah. ho hopefully, um, you know, people are going to appreciate it. And yeah, just I, I just think it's a great, great idea. Yeah, we're, um, we, lo we love world building. And um, Ben, the, 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 who led the, the development of uh, the Voices of Arena Anthology, he's, uh, he's a world builder too. And uh, we, you know, we, I could lose myself for hours in creating these alien species and, and, and Ben can do the same thing. And Josh was spending all this time bringing the tog to life. And the nicest thing about doing something like that is then sharing it with others because they, they add to it. We, we have one species called the Cardrona and I made a couple of notes about what their writing system and their language was like. And the author that came in to write a story that had the Cardrona in them uh, is a linguist. And, a, and I think she's also into calligraphy as well and has studied um, several different languages and was like, oh, this is wonderful. I can so connect with this species and then wrote all this extra material you don't even see in the story about them that we will that will become part of the Cardronum. And that's just so wonderful to see people taking your idea and running with it and making it so much more beautiful. Yeah, there's always somebody out there who is either A, smarter than you, or be more wordly, you know, more wordly, wordly and, and culture than you or more better read or just is, is better at something because of what they do in their, in their real life job, as I like to say. And again, if you check your ego at the door, really beautiful and surprising things can happen. If you just listen, um, it's, it's pretty incredible. I, I, like Matt said, I put a ton of work into the TOG and one of the core concepts around the TOG was this idea of, of assimilation where, Everybody in the TOG is human, regardless of your species. It's just, it's the cultural, overriding cultural drive of the TOG. And, and we've had, uh, we have a native writer, an indigenous uh, writer who obviously cultural destruction and cultural appropriation um, is a really touchy subject for her because of, you know, obviously what the United States has done historically to indigenous peoples here in this country. And so, the TOG's idea of assimilation working with her um, really came into it, its its mature form uh, with the questions and things that she asked because it was that was very real for her, um, and it showed in her writing. It's really awesome. 
you know, that's a very powerful story. That one, that was, um, you know, that, that was, and that was something we were hoping we wanted to give people with very, very different voices and very different perspectives, especially within what can be a very white male dominated community within the wargaming space, the opportunity to tell these stories and commu communicate with other people and for other people to then understand these different perspectives on gaming and, and the universe and the world in general. And it came through in the, in the game design as well. What Josh and I um, and, and John and, and Port brought the original initial rule set together. And then uh, Dale and Jordan took that away with, without us knowing and said, okay, we're visual designers, let's help these guys because we can, we think if they did this, this and this, the game would be a lot better. But they came back and presented it to us. And it was, I think we must have talked for two, two and a half hours that day, Josh. Easily. But I mean, they, we, their, yeah. I think... Their ideas made it so much better just yeah. by, by listening and, and giving them the opportunity to be able to do that without, you know, not worrying about it, knowing that we would at least give them the time to listen. And, and what then you got to play the other day when when we um, when you were doing the player testing, we had a chat, uh, is a lot of the of what you saw in the visuals was the result of, of those guys going away and, and thinking about how they could take these ideas and, and make them so much better through clever visual design. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. So could you tell pe people how they could find out more about the game um, or where, actually, not how, where. <laughs> <laughs> so you can find us on uh, on social media, on Facebook, uh, Twitter, and Instagram uh, under Budgie Smuggler Games. Um, you can also find us on the web, budgiesmugglergames.com. Uh, and very soon, also, our crowdfunding game found uh, page and link will also be up. But you can go to budgiesmugglergames.com for uh, all of the latest and most pertinent information. It links to our Patreon. It links to all of our social media. Um, and so that would be your uh, your primary source for all things Budgie and Renegade Legion right now. Awesome. I'll also leave links in the in the podcast so people can easily just click. And thank you guys so much for coming on um, and talking to me. Um, it was just thanks for having thank us. Thank you. Yeah. Really appreciate it. This is awesome. <laughs>